Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. Today, I've got the awesome Chris Hawkins from BBC Radio 6 and also How to DJ podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Amazing feels a bit strong, but thank you. <laughs> Honestly, we've me and my sister and my family, we are really um, avid uh, BBC Radio 6 listeners. And I remember years ago when they were actually going to stop Radio 6 for a while, weren't they? And uh, we were we petitioned along with everyone else. So it's really great to be great to have you here, Chris. How are you today? I'm really good. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Henry. Cheers for having me. So tell me, Chris, how did you get into, um, tell me your journey through music and, and, and how that was through childhood, through becoming um, a Radio 6 DJ? I was obsessed with radio from a very young age. I was fascinated by the way that DJs and presenters could talk directly to me, the one-on-one -on -one nature of the medium. Absolutely fascinated by that. And I was a huge music fan from a, a very, very young age. So I needed to find a way to combine those two passions and somehow make a living out of them. And at the age of 16, I did work experience at my local radio station, which was BBC Radio Shropshire. I grew up in a, a tiny village in very rural North Shropshire. And I got, I remember my mum would take me in to do this work experience. She would drive me there and I did it for two weeks. And at the end of that two weeks, there were no security passes at the time. At the end of the two weeks, I just kept turning up until it got to a point where no one really knew who I was and why I was there, but that I, I made good tea. And I made a lot of tea for a very long time and ended up staying at Radio Shropshire on and off over the course of a year whilst I was at school. And I, I did some hospital radio and then went to university in Nottingham. And the reason that I wanted to be at university in Nottingham was not only because it was a brilliant university, but because they had a great BBC local radio station, Radio Nottingham, had a very high hit rate. Matthew Bannister and Trevor Dan had gone on to run Radio 1, and I was a huge Simon Mayo fan, and Simon had been at Radio Nottingham. So I did all I could to get a job at Radio Nottingham whilst at university. In fact, I started at the radio station before I started at the at university. And I stayed at Radio Nottingham for the whole time I was at uni. In fact, I presented Drive Time by my third year and left exams early on a couple of occasions, my finals to, to go and do the drive time show. So I left doing drive time, moved to London, followed my dream to London and got a job at BBC Radio London as it was GLR at the time. There were amazing presenters there like Danny Baker, like Chris Morris, like Chris Evans. And I wanted to be there, got there and when when Six Music launched, I was part of the original lineup and I've been there ever since. <laughs> Absolutely love that. I mean, that, that's you followed your passion um, and you followed your dreams and that's, you know, commendable. So what challenges did you have on that road to get to getting to into Radio 6? How how difficult or, or challenging was it to get in into that place? I think it's even harder now for, for anyone wanting to get into radio simply because there are fewer and fewer local radio stations to learn the trade. So I learnt mine at Shropshire, Nottingham and at BBC London. And, and I would make a, a, a pretty good case that, it, that I'm still learning that it, 
radio is about experience. There's not an obvious route in. I, I think a, a lot of people that work in radio do it because they, they too, like I was, are obsessed with the medium, that they, they are really engaged by the way that radio works. And it, it takes a, a certain type of person to, to give up the time that it takes to get to a certain point. So whether it be producer or presenter, it's, it's all about the 10,000 hours. Yes. What was the question even, Henry? It was just how, what the, what were the challenges, and and you're right. It's the ten the ten thousand hours is right, and it's so um it's so poignant for this podcast. We talk about it all the time that you know it's not just about the the natural ability to do something. It's actually putting the effort and the time in, and 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 failing forward, learning from from all the different mistakes. And you're exactly right. The ten thousand hours thing is is a real thing. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I remember you know sending off demo tapes. And, and writing to to every radio station to try and to try and get jobs. And actually, weirdly, um, after years of sending out demos to national radio stations, I actually got a call from a, a station boss that I hadn't even dared to approach. And that was Leslie Douglas, who who ran Radio Two, and and she said that she was setting up this new radio station um, would I like to be a part of it that was six music many many years ago so actually weirdly after all those all those letters and, and all those demo tapes being sent off I actually got a call out of the blue um, and that's the job that I still do now amazing how did that feel in that moment <laughs> unreal because like I said when I started out as a kid um, getting into into music and radio my my absolute dream was to present a national radio show for the BBC. And that is what I've been doing for a really long time now. Yeah, absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. So, and then moving moving on now into your, into your podcast, tell me more about that. So obviously, you know, the podcast world exploded and I waited a long time before deciding what it was that I might do. Lots of lots of different things were suggested and, and lots of companies talked to me about what, what might be the right thing. And for me, uh, how to DJ, which is my podcast, how to DJ was a way of me tapping into a world that I'm right in the middle of that I love and, and have many friends through a, a career lifetime of doing the job that I do. I've been very lucky to meet some of the best radio presenters and club DJs in the world. So it's, them that make up the guests and we're now uh, getting up to i think near a hundred episodes um with with people that i i have so much respect for uh, and i am amazed delighted and humbled that so many great names have joined me on that podcast amazing I absolutely love that so what is the what's the the basis of the podcast is it finding out how to dj is it talking about the challenges that djs have and how they get into where they are yeah, all of that, definitely. Um, it's about the life stories uh, of DJs. It's about the inspiring stories. It's uh, about, in, in a lot of cases, the misadventure, that the stuff that's gone wrong along the way, that in most cases has, has resulted in something bigger and better being achieved. So it's about getting into the minds of, of DJs rather than necessarily about the technique of DJing, although that is a part of the conversation. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and hearing the inspiring stories, and I, I so so I've I've been uh, I've followed music all my life, and I I wanted to be a DJ, and I, I just never had the attention to detail 
detail. I tried so many times. My friends were into dance music and there was always a set of Technics decks in a room. And I just I just couldn't couldn't get that. I just couldn't ever get it to stick. So I realized I was more of a listener than a doer. So tell me how um, how much practice did you have to put in to get to a DJ? And how much how much is what my question is, is um, I suppose moving on from that question is that for me looking at DJs, it looks like a really glamorous life, but there's a, probably a lot more that goes into just turning up and doing a, like a headline set somewhere. So tell me, tell me more about the experiences you've had with, with, with interviewing people on that basis. Yeah. Um, so for, for background, my, my day job is, is BBC radio six music and, and my daily show, which on and off through a day takes pretty much the whole day to, to put together each show. Um, that involves a lot of listening to, to new music. Six Music is a, a champion of new artists, new acts. And I get sent maybe, I don't know, 100, 150, sometimes even 200 new songs every single week. And because of what I consider to be the privileged position that I'm in, I think it's really important to listen to as much of that music as possible and find the best stuff. And, and there's you know, another side to that too. It's, it's not just about finding the best stuff. It's about making sure that the best stuff doesn't um, get ignored. So I don't want to be that guy that... Uh, didn't hear the the new Coldplay early. Um, so a lot of the stuff that, that comes in that gets sent is very new, very fresh. And some of those artists, I would say Sam Fender was someone that I played early demos of and did, uh, I think, the first three premieres of Sam Fender's first singles. And look, he's gone absolutely stratospheric, um, deservedly so, quite rightly. Um, so putting the show together, the, the listening to the music, um, deciding what's going to go where in the show, plotting the show, making sure that, that it's the right balance and flow of music. Um, there's, there's also features that, that require uh, work through the day and, um, and then in advance of the show on a morning before I start, uh, my producer and I will run through every last detail with a team of three myself and, and two other producers working on the, on the show through the day and, and then on the, the morning. Uh, and what How to DJs taught me is that that for other ra radio DJs, I, Greg James is a good example. Um, Greg and I have very similar philosophies uh, about the way that radio should sound and the way that it should be, should be delivered. We talk on the podcast a lot about, about how much planning goes into a show and that's the same for club djs too carl cox talks about planning and planning and planning and that's not about turning up as a, a club dj and knowing which songs you're going to play in what order because that is all about the field that is all about the moment but you, you need to have a great idea about where you're going what what audience you're going to be playing to and and, and be ready for and, and this goes for all of the, even the club DJs. You can understand perhaps what I'm saying in terms of radio shows, but in terms of club DJs, that, that pre-planning is really important. It's a, about the, the searching out of, of great new songs to add to a set. It's about knowing what the set is going to be, but then being ready to expect the unexpected. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. We've, I, I do a lot of public speaking. And when I first started, you just learn to have uh, the experience of knowing when something goes wrong, you turn up and something's not quite right on the stage that is, that's not. And it's having that experience to turn up and still perform at a higher level, right? It's that's so true. And I think that uh, younger me used to feel like I could wing it in most circumstances, whether that be on the radio, um, hosting events, 
um, or, or playing out live. But the, the only way to be the best version of yourself in any of those circumstances is to be prepared. It, you, I can't overstate it. And I, I would be amazed if anyone, anyone that, that is passionate ab- about their job and ambitious would say differently. Mm, yeah, 100%, 100%. And you're right, there's so much that goes into that those DJ sets, into what you do. And I think a lot of people see, um, especially for me growing up, I was going to lots of different clubs, Fabric in London, and you see the DJ in the moment, and they're in the moment performing, but we don't see, you know, it's like the iceberg effect. You don't see everything underneath, all of the preparing, the time that's taken, the, the experience, the continuous working out, you know, what could go right, what could go wrong. Um, there's a lot, a lot there just that in the moment when you're, when you're a spectator and someone listening to the music, you're just seeing the person in that moment and you think, oh, wow, to be a DJ, that's, you know, it's going to be the best job in the world. They just turn up and DJ a couple of venues each week. But actually there's hours of work that goes into it before that, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Of course, there's the preparing of the loops, the edits. Uh, making sure you, yeah, you, you've got the right music and and that you're going to hit home with the crowd that you've got, and it, and and all of that planning allows for the inevitable when when something goes wrong because it's a live environment and and stuff can and does go wrong. Nothing rarely will will it ever be a, a completely smooth night because there are so many variables. Mm. Mm, definitely what do you think the biggest challenge is for djs now new up-and-coming djs trying to get in you saying about the amount of records that you get sent on a weekly basis what do you think the biggest um challenges are for for an up-and-coming dj well i think that um just like being in a band it's never been easier to make music but it's it's never been harder to get heard and and i think that everyone considers themselves with all due respect henry to your ambitions um everyone thinks they can be a dj um, because it it can be done quite simply. Um, there there are so many different apps that make it very easy. But it's it's about um, time and it's about experience. And there are there are exceptions uh, where someone can can break through very early. There are ridiculously talented young people who who will always be the exception. But I think it comes back again, Henry, to to the prep, to the hours, putting in the hours getting the experience and, and, and it does get easier. You know, I would say that um, even though I still spend as much time, perhaps even more time preparing what I do, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier in the execution these days, whether that be the radio show or hosting, DJing out. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. There are so many tools out there that you can use. I, when I, I tried getting into DJing when I was 17, when we all off, we were all going out all the time. And then a couple of years ago, actually through COVID, I went, do you know what? I'm going to really try and do DJing again. And I bought one of these DJ boards, which wasn't, it wasn't proper uh, Technics decks. It was a digital thing. And the thing is, is my, my need to just press the auto tune, the auto mix was too easy. And then you're still not doing it properly where I've got friends who have been DJing since 17 and I go to their house for a mix and they're just, you know, dropping in tunes left, right and center. So, you know, you're right. There's so much more that it's the t- t- going back to their 10,000 hour rule again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, one hundred percent. Because it's it's about the feel, isn't it? it it's about just your instinct um, in that moment, um, and the ten thousand hours is what helps you prepare for whatever the eventuality. Yeah, definitely. So, what's next for How to DJ podcast? What have you got coming up? So, um, 
every time we get to the end of a series, I think, well, you know, that that was an amazing guest lineup, and I wonder where it will go next because I think, you know, have I sort of spoken to all of the big players? And and yes, I've been really lucky through now eight series to have spoken to some of my heroes, um, really famous names, as well as DJs who might well be lesser known to the general public, but actually are some of the guys with the best stories. So right at the beginning, series one started with the very first episode of the podcast was with a DJ called Dave Haslam, an absolute legend at the Hacienda. Um, one of the great Manchester names. Dave shares his stories are are at times actually unbelievable, like talking about the time he had a gun pulled on him in the DJ booth at the Hacienda. Um, from Radio X, John Kennedy. So Dave talked um, in the very first series uh, about times at the Hacienda, you know, one of the, the, the greatest music club venues of all time. Uh, John Kennedy talks in absolute detail about how he puts together his new music show, Exposure, on, on Radio X. So two different ends of the DJ spectrum, um, both absolutely, like, fascinating in, in their, their differences and similarities, really, based on all of what we've talked about. Uh, Jam Supernova, a colleague of mine at Six Music, talked about her her time at the Brit School and, and then working behind the scenes as a researcher and producer to now be... So she did that uh, for a long time prior to being on air and, and now is one of the most respected DJs um, in the UK. Uh, Yoda, DJ Yoda talked about cut and pasting, about samples and about playing to very, very small crowds. Um, and that's, I think, also a bit of a theme that's emerged that every single DJ at some point has either played to nobody or, or, or even cleared a room. Norman Cook, Fatboy Slim, talked about the importance. This is, again, kind of, you know, I think we're focused, Henry, on, on I think there's something very obvious that, that's coming through here, and that is there are, there are no shortcuts. Norman Cook talked about how important it is to do the wedding DJ circuit. Um, you know, one of the great superstar DJs, and he, he talks in detail about why doing wedding discos is, is important and what, what it teaches you. Um, Carl Cox talking about starting out in a pub with Oakenfold and Judge Jules. Um, and then Dave Beer, who set up a, a club night called Back to Basics in Leeds. His name kept coming up, loads of DJs referencing him. So finally, on the most recent series of the podcast, Dave was with me and his stories are hair raising, hell raising. Um, he talks about the, the different acts that have played in their very early days at Back to Basics. Daft Punk spring to mind um, before they were famous. Um, Dave provided a, a platform at Back to Basics for the best new DJs. He has the most unbelievable ear for, for who will be successful. And also, um, I think what is incredible is, is when listeners get in touch and share their memories of seeing these DJs and how long they followed them for and and why they've been such an important part of their lives. Yeah, yeah, no, and you're right. You've hit so many nails on the head in that with the, the sense that it is no one is an overnight success. And I think the, one of the biggest challenges I see in the in the world today is is the social media of seeing people when they see 
the finished article they don't see all of the wedding gigs they don't see all of the you know the times that they did have an they were playing to an empty club or they were the warm-up set and there was two people in the room you know all those experiences all compound into getting to that place that they need to be and then you see people like you know norman cook carl cox and the, the the crowds that they sell out now um and people sometimes feel like oh i just need to become a dj and i'm going to be able to get that and it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort doesn't it and a lot of toll in a lot of cases yeah and and so um mental health comes up in in our conversations very often um a great DJ called Barry Ashworth, who I absolutely adore. I was a fan first and I'm, I'm really lucky, I feel, to say that he's now a friend of mine. He's the lead singer in a band called Dub Pistols. And Barry talks, um, I think, very articulately about the, the highs and lows of his journey from, from being a small-time pub DJ to getting signed with his band with Dub Pistols and the the... The highs and lows of of having a lot of money and and then um, squandering the whole thing on I think I can probably just say it because he talks about it very openly on on the podcast. It's um, a very powerful listen talking about how and it, because how he got caught up in drink and drugs and that is a world that all of these guys I think there's that's something that it, you know it's it's no secret that that world exposes people too and um and some people have are able to restrain um or, or moderate their, their drink and drugs but some fall victim to it and barry would definitely yeah barry talks a lot about how he just got carried away on a number of occasions um but but pulled back and um describes himself as uh what does he call himself successfully unsuccessful <laughs> I can relate to that a lot because I've seen the Dub Pistols at, um, at a lot of festivals and I love going to festivals and I, I am a recovering drug addict. So I, I was I was into drum and bass music as a, as a kid um, and then loved it. But never like, the party couldn't en ever end for me. I just wanted to continue it. And I think it's it's relatable when you're in, in, in that world. And um, fortunately now I'm, I've been sober for years and I still go to different club nights and things and, and absolutely love it because it's about the music. But I can see how when you're in that world, how easy it is to get get caught up in it all because I certainly was was what was someone that got caught up in in that world so um it, it's great that you um that you talk about that on your show and what what other mental health issues and, and how can how can you help through through what you do um hey look I um f before I answer that question Henry I, I'm curious to know um how your experiences differ from going to a a club and and drinking and whatever else and going sober uh okay so yeah so i spent my life going to lots of lots of club nights and really loved uh, my music's drum and bass it's what i love from a very young age and i love all all um all genres and when we used to go to fabric and things my wife likes great beat and we, we used to have a great night on a friday night at fabric and it was a lot of fun um but a lot of a lot of the time we were when you're in that world you're not actually that present with the music you, there are moments that you are but you're either chatting to someone on a stairwell or you're um you know you're you're you know losing go in the toilet you're talking to someone else and you're not that present through a lot of the music and what i found the difference is, is when i became sober my wife's been instrumental in helping me through everything is i said i really miss going out i really miss the sound of walking into a venue and hearing hearing the drums hearing the loud noise feeling the 
feeling that everything that you used to feel um and she said well you don't have to not do that just because you're sober and i was like well yeah but that's what people do when they go out she's like no loads of people go out sober raving and go to things and i said okay great let's go and now that luckily there's a lot of daytime stuff that they do um at like at print works and other places in in london um and it's very very different um but I think, especially for, for drum and bass, it seems to be, it seems to be a, a genre of music that is acceptable for all, all ages and all people. There doesn't seem to be any kind of like, there's, there, there's a, any ageism or anything like that. So I feel so, still feel very, very comfortable in a drum and bass club and just listening to music. I can't maybe dance. I've not got the stamina I was when I was younger, but three, four hours in a drum and bass club is my, it, it's still, still part of my heaven. So yeah, it's very, very different, but I feel like I'm more present and I can enjoy the music a lot more now because I'm I'm feeling it. I'm aware of everything going on. I'm not out of my head, essentially, or having a conversation with someone in a stairwell for three hours and then realizing the night's almost over. So very, very different. But I feel very fortunate now that I can still go out and experience music and soak it all up and just be in the moment more. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'm really well put. So in answer to your question, then, um, yeah, I... Um, an ambassador for a music therapy charity called Nordoff and Robbins and they work as a charity with uh, with young people a lot of them with learning difficulties and older people with dementia and and it's about music as a way of bringing joy and um, music unites and I think brings people together and um, the transformations are quite off the scale um, in terms of in answer to your question, what am I doing to support people with mental health issues? I, I don't know uh, if I think I'm very keen on the radio and on the podcast to have the conversations. Um, and I think that's perhaps the extent of of my contribution is is getting people to talk um, uh, there's a great, great new artist called Hack Baker who was on my six music show with me and he really opened up. He felt that, I guess, as we were talking, he, he talked about um, his tough childhood, about leaving home very young and about going to prison. And I think he sort of felt like there was a moment where, where we got to in the conversation where he could talk about his mental health and oh my god the outpouring from from listeners has been off the scale continues it just keeps coming because what he did was talk about a subject that used to be so taboo and he he made it feel like it's okay he's a young very cool artist um who who let down all his barriers and, and just taught and i think talking is really important key yeah and chris you're exactly right just give you giving him that safe space that he felt it's okay to now open up is exactly what is needed for for mental health to be giving people and making subjects less taboo and being able to open up and talk you know we talk about fail forward and mental health in this podcast and it's about just saying it's okay to to, to be able to come forward and have a safe space so you know really really fair play to you for for for, for, for being able to create that with them well, thank you. I mean, it's the credit it goes to the, the guests that, that feel like it's it's okay to talk about that stuff. I mean, I do I suffer from mental health issues myself? Probably, I think we all do in different ways. I think the pressures of society today 
mean that we all have have worlds colliding in our minds um and uh you know the the idea that we're constantly scrolling taking in more opinion than we ever have done um and i'm not i i think i'm one of the i guess few parents that would argue that with our, our daughter who's 13 i'm not against her being on her phone that's never going to change by taking her phone off her for an hour you know the, the difference that will make to her life is minimal um and i think there is probably quite a lot of positives i think sort of late, latest studies say that that kids are not detrimentally affected by what, what they find on their phones obviously that goes without saying that there are massive exceptions to that but um for the most part i would say that we all have to try and find balance i, I used to love uh, up until um quite recently sadly we lost our little dog and um the way i would clear my head would be to take him walking and I, it was my favorite thing and um, we lost him very prematurely he was only five and i know that i i am f f finding it hard to find a new new way to to get into that space that i would find with him yeah i'm sorry to hear that and and yeah it's it's you're right walking is a walking's a massive part of just being able to clear clear your mind from the day-to-day -day clutter of social media and everything else that goes on the world um i'm i'm, I'm cautious of time so i've got a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up um Firstly, Chris, what is your, um, out of all the genres, because you've got such a collective taste that I listen to on your early morning show, um, what would be your, your number one genre choice? And, and, and to emphasize more on that, what would be the, the perfect night out for you in a club, a festival, wherever? What would be the music and, and the place or, or, or the vibe that you'd get? Wow. <laughs> Just a little question. <laughs> Just a little question. <laughs> um, I, I would love to see talking heads reform and it's kind of being this kind of murmurs and rumors um talking heads playing glastonbury would be pretty much the, the absolute dream i've been really lucky to have seen most of the biggest artists that i love see them live there are there are a few that i've missed out on but um yeah i've been really lucky and, and most recently arctic monkeys i'm a huge fan so seeing arctic monkeys at old trafford cricket ground in manchester at the start of this year that was oh that was amazing that was just something else i, I was i loved every second of that but um equally I, I love i love indie as much as i love electronica i'm a huge depeche mode fan a huge new order fan um and that there i don't think of i think that that there's an incredibly brilliant new music scene um a new band called porridge that i'm really excited by um they've got big things planned for 2024 and that they could go the whole way i think they really are the real deal a brilliant um electronica band they, they are awesome love that well i'll definitely check that out and i'll, I'll send that to my sister and, and sarah as well um so yeah thank you and, and you've set the intention for glastonbury now um so hopefully i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you there at some point um we, we've not been back in quite a few years but we're, we're we're looking to go soon once we can finally get tickets again yeah good luck with that <laughs> thank you um so just finally chris it's been amazing having you on um how do we find um your D your your podcast so the day-to-day -day radio show is on BBC Radio 6 Music. The podcast, it's easy to find. It's podfollow.com slash DJ, but the, the search how to DJ works too. Fantastic. What we'll do is we'll put the links in the show notes so anyone listening on, they can just click on that. Um, have you got any final words for us, Chris? No, just thank you so much. I feel very lucky to have been asked to come on. 
with you. So thank you, Henry, and um, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, Chris. Great to have you on board and it's been a great session. Cheers, Henry.